Do you want to talk about it? Do you want to talk about it? It's not your fault, Jory. Or Dora's. Or mine. The coroner said... Well, you know what Morgan said. I think she's wrong. Look, it's okay. This is a classic survivor's guilt, and it's manifesting as denial. I saw it all the time in New Orleans. A partner would die, maybe even someone you didn't like or get along with, and everyone would react differently. One person would act like they were best friends. Someone else would pretend like it never happened. You gonna be okay? I don't know. Well, we gotta get going anyway. Dora's meeting us at the funeral. This is a story exploring the search of one missing person, the remnants of corrupted reputation, and the darkness of our hometowns. This is That Creepy Podcast. You might have found something. Better hide it then. Time's up. We have company. Thanks for listening. One week earlier. The night of the library break-in, I checked all the locks on all the windows and doors of my home. But the paranoia still hung around. I took time to wander around my house with a cup of tea, which was better than lying in bed, paralyzed from anxiety, and took note of what was missing from the police raid. I'm trying to check through the house. My house isn't even that big, but I want to be thorough. It's like 3 a.m. and I don't even care because honestly, I'm scared and confused and pissed that the freaking cops trashed my freaking house. (sighs) Okay, back to it. Here we are. Oh, thank God it's still here. I spent the next 45 minutes checking over the house. The cops had confiscated my printout of John's book reservations, as well as the books themselves, along with my laptop and a Zoom recorder of doors I'd been borrowing. This was sketchy, even for them, but there wasn't much I could do about it. Thankfully, I'd been paranoid enough to back up everything onto a thumb drive as well as demand back my own handheld recording device at the station. Nevertheless, the damage had been done. And I checked all the locks. Double checked the locks. Triple checked the locks. Finally, I put myself to bed and was awoken an hour later to the sound of footsteps outside my bedroom door.
Who, who's there? Don't, don't make me call the cops. God, I can't tell Franklin again. But I have hairspray and a lighter. This isn't an empty threat. Hello? What the? Please, please don't tell me I'm sleepwalking again and hearing things. This isn't good. Oh my God. I ran to the only bathroom in my house. I had dubbed it the panic room when I first moved in on account of its lock of windows. I never actually thought I'd have to use it. I slammed and locked the door. And there, I crouched in the tub in my large sleeping shirt, slowly soaking the bottom of my baseball socks with the water left behind from my nighttime shower. I clutched the lighter and hairspray with white knuckles. There's few things as terrifying as the moment you realize you aren't alone, and you may never happen. Come on, come on, come on, come on, Dora, please. Pick up, pick up, please. You've reached the voicemail box of 678. Damn it, can't you answer the phone just once? Jess, it's almost 5 a.m. This better be good or I swear to God. Oh, thank God. Lori, you answered. I need you. Jory? What's wrong? Oh, God. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, calm down and start with why you're calling me at 5 a.m. Someone's here. But none of the locks or windows are broken and there's blood. Everywhere. I don't, I don't know who's... I don't have a car. I don't think they're gone and I don't think I'm alone. I can't call the cops. Are you in a bathroom? Yes, how did you... The Echo. Okay, stay where you are, keep the doors locked. I'll be there in 20. I keep the recorder running after Lawrence hangs up. If I'm going to get murdered, I figure I can at least give my future documentary quality content. It felt like an eternity of me jumping at every noise outside the bathroom door. An eternity of me scolding myself for never getting a dog. An eternity later, there was a knock at the door. But not the front door. The bathroom door. The living room light flicks on and a long backlit shadow falls across the tiled floor from under the door. I begin to recite the prayers they taught us in grade school. Jory? Lawrence, you're three minutes late. Come on in, make yourself at home. This place is a little small, but it's clean and the couch is comfortable. Lawrence headed to the coffin-sized kitchen and began a pot of coffee without another word, leaving me to drop my small backpack of essentials on the floor and drop myself on the couch. It was one hour till sunrise. I knew that because there was a single digital screen facing me on the beige wall with the current time, that day's weather, pollen count, and the time of sunrise and sunset. It's incredible that we never have to guess what time the sun comes and goes. What? Nothing. I'm losing it. Still. Well, don't sleep yet. You'll regret it. Here, shoot this, swallow this, then drink this whole glass of water. Your reward will be coffee. It's too early for shots and magic pills. What? No humor at 6 a.m.? Figures. Oh, God, that is sour. What was that? Condensed cranberry juice and a pretty hefty creatine pill. A few more rounds of this and lots of water should have the drugs out of your system within a few days. Drugs? Yeah. A buddy of mine in New Orleans used to do it right before a drug test. Worked every time. Of course, you don't need a bad drug test to get fired if you're caught with blow in the precinct bathroom. Drugs? I'm not on drugs. Sure. Your pupils are dilated, you're shivering in the middle of summer, handshaking. I mean, you got winded just walking up here. If you tell me what it was, we may be able to get you sober faster. No way. I haven't smoked pot since college. 
Lawrence went back into the kitchen and returned with two cups of black coffee. His natural arrogance leading him to assume I also took it black. He was right, but I pretended to wince at it anyways, just to prove a point. You know, I actually believe you. Mostly because you just said smoke pot. There's definitely something in your system, though. I stared into the cup of quivering black coffee cradled in my hands. The shaking hadn't stopped since the library. The floor lamps were too bright. The walls looked fuzzy. How had I not noticed before? Lawrence must have seen the distress set in. Don't worry, Bradford. We'll get you sorted out in no time. Lots of little drugs against your natural obstinance. Then he got up, threw a blanket in my lap, and turned off the lamp. Bathroom's down the hall. Sleep tight, Bradford. A text from Jory, 11.02 a.m. Thanks for not answering your phone last night. At least listen to the voicemail so I don't have to recap that horror show. I ended up sleeping at Lawrence's place in EAV. I slept four hours before waking up sweating out whatever drug he seems to think I'm on. Turns out, sobering up isn't fun. Lawrence isn't home, so of course I started snooping. His place is just as you'd suspect. Super tidy and minimal. Figured I wouldn't find much. Oh boy, was I wrong. Me. 11.08 a.m. Oh God, I'm so sorry about last night. I crashed, but please explain. Jory. 11.13 a.m. His office. It's manic, but not hoarder or anything. Everything obviously has a use. If you showed me just a picture of his room, I would literally never guess it was Lawrence's. There's chemistry equipment, a big office printer, a whole row of filing cabinets, and more than one stack of newspapers coming up to my waist. Coffee cups are everywhere. On coasters, of course, but everywhere. Me, 11.16 a.m. I had a feeling he was off his rocker. Damn, should have put money on it. Jory, 11.20 a.m. One of his filing cabinets is labeled Profiles, and we're both in it. Watch it, Bradford. You nearly hit me. Watch where you swing that thing. I want to make sure I get all this on record. What? Care to explain this? I'd leapt out of the shower and thrown my clothes on the second I heard Lawrence's front door open. I'd then dragged him by the collar to the office door, whipping out my recorder. My hair was dripping all over the hardwood floor, but I didn't care. Lawrence obviously did. This door was locked. That's beside the point. Has anyone told you that you're nosy? Has anyone ever told you you're paranoid? Three locks? I mean, don't waste people's time. I'm cautious. What's your point? Is it a crime to be a slob? Oh, please, don't talk to me like I was born yesterday. You know exactly what I'm asking about. Oh, care to explain these while you're at it? I threw the files titled Bradford, Marjorie and Stevens, Dorothy on the desk. We stood staring at each other. Have you read it? I didn't get that far. Read it. Name, address, education, basic stalker info. Could have guessed that much. Next page. History of violence and erratic behavior beginning in her late teens. She's the last known contact leading to John Smith's disappearance. Marjorie Bradford. Suspect. Of course, that's a few weeks old. But that doesn't change that I know you've been holding on to information. What's that supposed to mean? Jory, you and John weren't strangers.
At this point, you must have a lot of questions. What was the blood? Was Lawrence right? Had I been holding out on people? At the risk of sounding avoidant, I have to ask you to be patient. Lawrence also agreed it was best for me to keep my truths off the record for the time being. For now, though, let me jump ahead to two hours later. Okay, so can you explain all this to me now? I have Dora on speakerphone. Hey, man. Hey. I heard you thought it was an accomplice. I may have read her file? And if you're looking for an apology, you won't find one. Oh, no, I'm actually flattered. I would totally help Jory bury a body. Aw. Shit. All right. So here's John's file. Wow. That's... big. And on the corkboard behind you, you'll find the blood scrapings labeled with what they are and where I found them. This file isn't all John Smith. No, the name John Smith is obviously an alias. I also have every article from the New Orleans suicide case in there, along with several other articles from around the country matching his M.O. All spanning the last 10 years or so. Sparse apartment, cryptic letters, rule to suicide. I got scans of the letters from each police precinct. They'll be in there too. Wyoming, California, Pennsylvania. There's no guarantee those are him, but it's possible if he has a system of disappearances. What about Montana? Yep, page 22. I'm on it, Dora. I quickly grabbed the note I smuggled from its hiding place on the floorboards the night before and slapped it in front of Lawrence. There, Montana. Ah, uh, yes. I knew you'd come through. Good job, Bradford. So, the blood samples? We're worth nothing until this morning. See that article tacked up in the right corner? It's from a cold case dating back nearly 10 years ago from a town 20 miles away from here. The town was technically unincorporated territory, so the case was transferred to the Harker Police Department, then to the GBI. It ran in nearly every paper across Georgia. Uh, what's the article say? 17-year-old John Tucker found mysteriously dead outside Atlanta, Georgia. His body was discovered by his parents in the family's backyard late Thursday night. Special crimes was called to the scene as well as the Harker Police Department. Then there's a picture of the victim. I sent Officer Kendall with the APD SVU some scans from the file and samplings of the blood from your house. Oh wait, Kendall? As in Henry Kendall? And he sent me that. It's a match. We've been waiting for months and I finally picked up the results this morning. But the kid in this picture is so young and sick looking. I can't even tell if it's him. Only one option left. What? Find John and ask him yourself. Dora, we'll be back in Harker in a bit. Meet us at the Oakland house. You got it. I'll be here. We arrived at Oakland House. The sun wasn't setting yet, but was preparing to. A hurricane sweeping past the coast had brought a stiff breeze through the state, which now cooled the sticky September air just enough to notice. Dora was waiting on the porch, eyes closed, breathing in the wind. No doubt noticing both the practicality and the symbolism, just like the rest of us. All right, let's get inside. The last thing we need is the town gossip hearing any of this. Who's the town gossip? Who isn't? Lock the door. It's become painfully apparent that we're out of options and time. I heard whisperings of what happened last night while at the APD, Jory, the arrest. I can't say it was uncalled for, but it's a definite gray area on the law enforcement's part. But I had nothing to do with the cabin being burned. And they have no proof. They searched my goddamn house and didn't find anything. I know, but they need to pin it on someone to make the town feel better. And your little adventure the other morning, being seen at the cabin, still makes you the prime suspect. Then there's you withholding information. 
Wait, what? It's not what it sounds like. Okay, Lawrence, what's your point? What's your next move? Someone's setting Jory up, and someone willing to start a fire probably won't stop at a fire. Don't you dare look at me with that accusatory look. Like you haven't kept stuff from us. I'm not a suspect. Stop, both of you. Neither of you set the fire, obviously. So turn that aggression on whatever scum is terrorizing us. I think John's been running for a long time. If they're still here, then that means John is too. We find John, we prove Jory's innocence, and get ahead of whatever the hell they're planning next. I took a picture of the message left in Jory's house. Is that blood? Yeah. Nice. Like a Stephen King novel or something. Wait, what's it say? I can't make it out. Under? Dora stiffened beside me, breath catching. Color drained from her already pale face. Lawrence's trained eyes watched her closely. What's wrong? I may know where he is. We watched quietly as Dora retreated to her office and returned with a stack of laminated papers. Some appearing very old, a few appearing newer. All variations of the same map. She splayed them across the oak front desk. The color hadn't returned to her face yet. So these are all the maps of the city. There's a rumor that tunnels run underneath the town square. Some even think they branch out past the square to places like the city cemetery and some historic houses that kept the first city officials. Oakland House is rumored to have one, so I used to touch on it during tours, but then people started looking for them. Some going so far as to break into businesses, so I stopped talking about it. But I kept all the documentation I'd collected over the years. All the original maps with weird markings, the IGP radar test they did forever ago, all before they gave up and the local government shut down the research. So, if these are just rumors, why are you so sure John's down there? Because I know they're not rumors. But just listen. Someone got into and out of your house without breaking in. Same with the library. Do you know who built your house originally? A Civil War general. He would have had a tunnel. You know another place rumored to have a tunnel? The library. The building was the first post office. Okay. So it's a plan. How do we get down there? The best entrance is behind the bar. It's a door under the steps that appears to be an old cellar. That's the only entrance not collapsed as far as I know. I'll take you there, but I'm not going with you. Coast is clear. All right. Flashlights? Check. Walkie-talkie? Check. Keep that thing on. The tunnels are dangerous. Be careful. I guess it's time to find John. Sheriff Davidson was found dead yesterday in his home in Harker, Georgia. He was found with a bullet hole in his head, along with the revolver near his person. The death has been ruled a suicide. His family asked for privacy during this trying time. Podcast is a bi-weekly podcast produced and written by Theodora. Edited by Seth Johnson. Music by Theodora. Special thanks to voice actors Katie Collier, Joseph Teagle, and Catherine Agati. Find us on Instagram at that creepy podcast. And thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.